Good morning. Oh, no, no, no. Good morning. There we go. I bring you greetings from the Hickson campus. My name is Jim Fleming. Uh, many of you know me. If you know me, wave. If you don't know me, wave. There we go. Great. It's good to meet you all. Uh, I don't make it over here as often as I would like, but it is a privilege to stand here this morning uh, and to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm ready to talk. So let's open up to 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, and today we continue our November series on thankful for. And in week one, we looked at how we are thankful for the gospel. And in last week, we looked at how we're thankful for the church. And today, we're going to look at how we're thankful for God's provision. Now, at this campus, do the young people get to pick a prize if they fill out the bulletin? Is there that, does that exist? Excellent. All right. I want to make sure we define our terms. So if you don't know what the word provision means, it means to provide. It means supplies or materials or, or to prepare someone beforehand for a need that they're going to have. And as we go through this morning's sermon, what I want you to remember is that God provides, and our greatest need is God. So young people, say it back to me. Our greatest need is God. Oh, no, no, no. Come on now. Our greatest need is God. There we go. All right, so this is what we're going to be talking about this morning. Here in 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Now, 2 Peter uh, is a little letter that was written by one of the apostles, the, one of the guys that we just sang about, the Apostles' Creed, just a few minutes ago. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the Apostles' Creed, we think, was a baptismal confession. So in the early church, you would stand to be baptized, and you would stand in front of a group of people, and you would profess what you believed to be true. And those words that we sang this morning were the confession of those that were going to be baptized. And it's a beautiful thing that good theology doesn't change. So 2,000 years ago, these folks stood up and proclaimed that there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we still believe these things today. And after God stops keeping track of time and does away with all of these things, there will still be one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So I hope you are excited about that. But this letter that Peter writes today, uh, that we read today, is all about uh, hard times are coming. If you have ever read anything of Peter's before, Peter is a very simple, straightforward, get-to-the-point kind of guy. His writing reflects the same guy that we read about in the Gospels. Uh, now, some of you are distracted because there's a child screaming. I do not care. Every time you hear a child scream, here's what I want you to think. Somebody chose life. So we're going to rejoice. And if that's your kiddo, rejoice. Because I'm excited. It doesn't bother me a bit. So uh, we're going to talk about Second Peter. So Second Peter is direct. It's to the point. Peter tells the people, I'm going to set you up, and I'm going to tell you something really hard. And what I'm going to tell you that's really difficult is that dangerous, ugly, hateful, hurtful theology is coming. And it was true in Peter's day, and it is true today. Because you can go to a lot of different places and hear really bad theology. And Peter is telling them, beware, this is coming. And chapter 3 is, but don't worry, God will be faithful. Because he always is. He's going to fulfill his promise. He's going to keep his word. He's going to come back and get 
his children, and this is a good thing. And all of that is set up by the text that we're going to read today. So hopefully you found 2 Peter chapter 1. I tried to have a long introduction so you could find 2 Peter. It's a small little book, so here we go. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." Now, I'll give you a side note. I teach a Sunday school class at the Hickson campus. And if you're ever interested in studying the Bible, pick somebody like Peter to start with. Because Peter was not the sharpest tool in the drawer. The words that he uses are simple and clear. His sentence structure is clean and easy to understand. I would suggest to you that you do not start with Romans. We are teaching through Romans in my Sunday school class. This week was week 44 of a 48-week series because Romans is hard. If you want to learn original languages, start with Peter. It's the equivalent of learning a third grader's writing. I love getting the opportunity to teach about simple language, so I'm grateful for this, that the Bible gives us opportunities on all ends of the intellectual spectrum. So let's take a look at these words a little bit more here and see what they mean. So Simon Peter, a bondservant, a slave. So he's got an opportunity to introduce himself. He literally walked with Jesus Christ. And how does he start? He says, I'm a slave. And then he follows up with his title, which is apostle. And an apostle was somebody who could, who had seen the resurrected Jesus Christ and could testify to that effect. So when you see billboards as you travel around our city uh, and travel around the country and you see that Apostle so-and-so is going to come and speak at this event, no, no. I have a NFL standard challenge, coach's challenge flag at my home, and I would throw it right now. That's what I want to do every time I see one of those. There are no apostles today. There are many disciples today. Hopefully you are a disciple today. But there are no apostles today because we have not, with our own two eyes, seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. So this was something that Peter could claim because he had seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. Jesus actually made him breakfast on the beach after he died and rose again. So he's, he's got the evidence. He knows. But he calls himself a slave first and then an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained or, uh, or received like precious or valuable faith, or conviction with us. Now, sometimes we skip past the little words in the Bible, but this little phrase, with us, Peter is writing to a group that is somewhere else, and he is saying, your faith is like our faith. And sometimes we can take the scriptures and we read these stories of these men and these women who do unbelievably, spectacularly amazing things, and we look at our lives and we go, well, I'm, like, I never led a couple of million people through a large body of water, right? I didn't walk on water. I didn't see Jesus rise from the dead. But Peter gives us today something very encouraging. 
we can have the same faith of the apostles. And we do. And this is a beautiful thing. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness, by the justification of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I like the New King James translation of the Bible. It does a lot of things really well. This is an extremely awkward wording that we have here at the end of this verse 1. Because it almost makes it look like we're talking about God the Father and God the Son. And we're not. The construction here is our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is one person that we are talking about. So when you hear someone say, well, Jesus wasn't God. Well, Peter thought he was. And Jesus thought he was. And the other apostles thought he was. And several million people afterward have thought he was. You know why? Because he was. And he is. And he will be. He will never stop being God. So our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace or favor and peace. And this word peace means to be set at one again. Has anybody ever broken a bone? Ever broken a bone in your body? What, what bones have you broken? Shout them out. You guys are like, I'm going to leave. Y'all are too dangerous to be around. There's a lot of broken bones in this place. We, we break things, right? Uh, I, the first time I broke a bone, I was uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, and it was, uh, it was my arm right here. Brent, what's this one? What's this one right here? Radius and ulna, right? Okay, great. It's like, it's not tibia. I set you up, man. Come on, this is, should be easy for you. You got excited. <laughs> I love you, man. And uh, I, I cracked this one. I was swinging on the playground on a uh, monkey bars and I fell and le- tried to catch my, which was really stupid. D- don't try to catch yourself. Just, just hit the ground. It's, much, it's, it's not instinctive, but it's much safer. I tried to catch myself and, and cracked this bone in my arm. And you know what they did? What'd they do? They said it, and then what they do? They didn't forget it. It's not Ron Popeye selling these things on commercials. This is, they said it, and then what? They put a cast around it, right? Because what needed to happen? Healing needed to happen. Things need to be put back together like they were. And today? <laughs> yay! It works. This is good. Because peace happened. To set at one again. Anytime you see the word peace in the scriptures, you can just assume something was broken beforehand. And this is what Jesus comes to do. He comes to provide peace between us and God the Father. And only He can do it. There's nobody else ever in the history of the universe that can do what He does. And He did it for us. And it is a beautiful thing. So Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied. Now, There's something special about this word multiplied. Greek has a a mood. And mood in Greek, you can think about it as the tone of voice in English. So I'm going to teach you a couple of moods this morning. So Marty Haynes, can you assist me for a second? Stand up. Was there any doubt about what I needed you to do right then? Why was that? I was very direct, and my tone was quite clear. Right? I reverted back to my basketball coaching days of, I need to make sure you hear this, that you understand it, and that you do it. That's called an imperative. This is a command, so have a seat for me. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. 
Marty, I think there's a possibility that it's going to rain this week. Okay? That's the subjunctive mood. There's some possibility or probability, and it's pretty decent, that it's actually going to happen. Marty, you know what might happen this week? It might snow this week. Now, how many of you have seen the weekly forecast? Anybody seen the weekly? Is it going to snow this week? No. No. Right. That's called the optative mood. A remote possibility, significantly more remote than the subjunctive. So the subjunctive is there's a possibility. The optative is there's a more remote possibility. Let's look at this word again. Grace and peace be multiplied. This is in the optative mood. There's a remote possibility that this is going to happen for you. And it only happens through one thing. In the knowledge, the epinosis, the full, real, genuine, thorough knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The only way we get grace and peace is through Jesus Christ. But it's not a guarantee. And some of you are looking at me going, well, um, I think it is. Nope, it's not a guarantee. Because you can receive a gift or not receive a gift. You can be presented with something and then be told, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. A friend of mine is a huge fan of a very specific NFL team. And a couple of weeks ago, I bought him two tickets to go see this NFL team. Had them delivered to his hand. There you go. It was my gift to him. Just wanted to say early Merry Christmas. You know what he did with those tickets? He didn't go to the game. You thought it was going to be a happy story, didn't you? <laughs> I've been teaching long enough to know that you don't always tell happy stories because life isn't always just one big happy story. He didn't go to the game. He didn't accept the gift. So did he get the benefit of going to the game if he didn't go to the game? No, because you can be presented with a gift and you can refuse. And what Peter is saying here is that there's a possibility that you can have grace and peace, but you have to accept it through Jesus Christ. It's not through anybody else. You have to take and receive and accept that gift. So grace and peace, verse 2, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And his divine or godlike power, this is the Greek word dunamis, this is miraculous work, has given. Now there's a tense here in Greek that you might not understand, but some of you have something on one of your hands that is shiny. If you have something on one of your hands that is shiny, that it's on your left hand and it's on the, the ring finger of your left hand, would you hold it up in the air for just a second? What, is that, what does that represent? It represents there's somebody else that better have one too, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I, I saw your hand first. Yes, you're, you're quite excited about this. So let's come and let's, let's testify for just a moment. So what is your name? Becky. Becky. Becky what? Becky Johns. I thought it was Becky Edwards. It's not. It used to be, but what now? Then you married this guy. Something happened in the past, and the results of that action in the past are continuing through today. This is the tense of this word. It's the perfect tense. Something happened in the past, and it is continuing in effect, in force, until today. So what does the verse say? I walked too far. Here we go. What does the verse say? It's his divine power has given, happened in the past, and it's existing through today to us some things. 
Is that what the text says? Most things. The, the vast majority. Like, like dial soap. 99.99%. No? How much? All. All things that pertain to life. And the, the word here for life is zoe. It's, this, it's fullness of life. It's not the Greek word bios of just something is existing and alive. This is fullness of life and godliness. He's given us godliness. And this is really important because without the sinless perfection of Jesus Christ, we don't get to be with God. That is the standard. The standard is not you live a sinless life. That is not the standard. The standard is holiness and godliness. You have to be godlike. So even if you are witnessing to someone and sharing with them about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they tell you, I've never sinned, what you can confidently and assuredly tell them is that is not enough. Because that is not the standard. The standard is not a sinless life. The standard is God-like perfection. It's a whole different bar. This is not a, we're standing at the beginning and we have an opportunity to run a race, and if I run fast enough and hard enough, I can win. No, no, I'm dead not in the stadium where the race is occurring, and I'm under the ground, and I'm expected to win the race. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to make it, right? Nobody's given me a medal for this race. It's not going to happen this way. So he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through. You see that word through? How many of you took geometry in high school? I'm a math guy, so we, every lesson has to have something about math. This is the word dia, D-I-A. And in math class, in geometry class, you might remember the diameter of a circle. You remember the diameter? What does the diameter do? It goes, you're like, there's a, there's a, it's a line somewhere. Yes, it's, it's a line that goes through the circle. It doesn't go around the circle. It doesn't go under. It goes through the circle. This is what this word is, dia. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through, straight through, the knowledge, this is the same word back in two, of him who called us. So we get the righteousness of God by Jesus Christ. We get grace and peace by Jesus Christ. We get all things that pertain to life and godliness by Jesus Christ. Do you see a pattern here? Yes. Now some of you are panicked right now that we have not covered a single blank in your bulletin. The blanks are coming breathe with me, okay? Breathe with If you miss the blanks, I will show you the answers at the end. It, they're, they're coming, don't worry. We're going to get to the blanks. Sometimes we worry more about the blanks than we do the text. God help us. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory. This is visible, apparent glory and by virtue. This word for virtue, virtue means valor. Uh, when the President of the United States travels somewhere, he travels with a group of people who are responsible for his safety. What are these people called? you know? What are they called? You raised your hand. You were polite. I appreciate that. The Secret Service, absolutely. And what's the Secret Service's job? Keep the President safe, right? So if a bad guy comes and wants to shoot the President, do you know what the Secret Service men do? They do something absolutely, incredibly crazy. They stand in the way, which is scary, right? And if somebody wanted to come and hurt you, you know who would stand in your way? Your mom and your dad would. 
They'd step up and they'd get in the way because you're a man of valor. You're a man of honor. There's virtue in that, in that action. And that's what this word is. This is when there is a time to be presented with a need, you step up and you deliver. And if you wonder why God does what he does, it is because he is glorious and he has virtue. And when there was a time to step up and stand in the way of the wrath of God that was coming down towards sin and sinners, Jesus Christ said, I'll do that. And he stood in the way on the cross and took the wrath of God for us so that we don't have to. He took the punishment. The innocent one takes the guilty punishment so the guilty ones can have the innocent life. It is the most completely backward equation in the history of the universe. And it is spectacularly wonderful because we benefit. We get to live. We get to be part of the family of God. And then verse 4 through which we have been given. This is, again, the perfect tense. It's happened in the past, and it continues up. We have been given exceedingly great and precious or costly or valuable promises. And promises are self-committals. When you promise someone something, you are saying, I will go do this. And God, in His Word, promises us several things. He does not promise us wealth and health and prosperity. He promises us Himself which is far, far better than wealth and health and prosperity. Because those things will burn one day, but God will not. He will continue to exist. Been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers. The Greek word is koinonos. It's companions. It's fellowship. It's partners. And if you want to be partners with God, it only happens through Jesus Christ. Partners of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption. Have you seen any corruption in our world? Just a little bit? You know how far you have to go to see corruption in our world? Hicks and Pike. Have you driven on it lately? There's holes in the road. Marty, did you know that there's holes in the road? Are you responsible for that? I'm holding you responsible for that. That's not, that's not you? Okay. Dang it. It's always nice to have somebody to blame. <clears throat> There's corruption that's in the world. And we all understand this. Some of us understand it because parts of our bodies hurt every day when we wake up. Anybody hurt this morning when you woke up? My hand's raised. Yeah. And what does Peter tell us that we can have from that corruption? Escape. Isn't that beautiful? We can have escape. So let's read the whole text back. I'm going to give it a little more flavor as we go through. So Simon Peter, my first role is a slave. and My title is an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have received or obtained this valuable faith, this valuable moral conviction with us, that's the same faith as ours, by the righteousness, the justification of our God and Savior, one person, Jesus Christ, is both God and Savior. Grace, this favor and oneness again, be multiplied. Be, there's an opportunity for this to occur for you only through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And His divine miraculous power has been given in the past to us and it exists to us today for all things that pertain to fullness of life 
and holiness only straight through the knowledge of Jesus who called us by his visible glory and valor, his excellence of action through which have been given in the past and continue to us today exceedingly massive and valuable self-committing promises that through the center of these things you may be partners with God of the divine nature having escaped and been rescued out of the corruption that is in the world through lust. And everybody said, I hope that was weak. Did you not understand what just happened? Jesus came and saw what we needed and delivered that thing. Have you ever had an opportunity when you saw somebody that needed something to happen and they delivered that thing? I'm going to tell you a quick story. I like to call this picture safety first. It's a picture my sister sent to me a couple of months ago. And I'm the little boy in the floaties uh, sitting outside that dangerous, dangerous pool deeply passionately concerned about the safety of those involved. My sister is staring at the camera. She's lying in the little kiddie pool. And my cousin uh, is uh, throwing water everywhere because that's what she did. I have a healthy respect for water. We'll say it that way. Gary sometimes tells us that he's frugal. He's cheap. Uh, I am terrified of water. I'm not a big fan of going swimming. I don't like, I've never been water skiing. I can't imagine why you would want to go at high speed on the surface. That's just, I I don't get it, right? Uh, My mom convinced me when I was about 11 to go with her and her company to the Okoy. And she said, we're going to take a raft. And I thought, a raft? That sounds nice and pleasant. And then the guide strapped this thing to me, and it was bright, and it was yellow, and I was thinking, um, (laughs) if we're on a raft, like, why do I need a, this, this seems rather obnoxious, right? And then the tour guide says, we're going to go through some class four rapids. And I thought, class four, well, that's kind of neat. How many classes are there? And he said, four. I said, well, like, is four good or bad? And he said, four is great. thought, I don't think you and I have the same value system. <laughs> I don't think we do. So we proceeded to get in this raft, and um, mom wanted to be able to see me and where I was. And I was an extraordinarily thin child. I was very short and very thin. I was always the smallest kid in school, and I've since grown. Um, <laughs> we took care of that. But uh, the, the life jacket that they put on me had to be cinched up really, really tight. Like I was I was longer, but it had to be cinched up really, really tight, so there wasn't a lot of wiggle room, because you, you don't want to be able to wiggle out of a life vest. That's, that's not a good thing. So we get on the water, and we're going down, and you know, I can then see what's coming, right? And I am beyond terrified at this point, because I don't think we should do this. You remember the little boy with the floaties on his arms, right? This is safety first. Let's not do this. So we go down, and we hit this massive, like, there's like a hole in the river. Like, what? I got a hope in the new creation that there's not holes in the rivers, right? I mean, it's just, just make them flat and calm, and that'd be wonderful. It's this hole in the river. We hit the hole. I go flying out, right? Of course, right? Of course. So I hit the water backward, and I remember 
I remember the whole thing, which is, I kind of wish I hadn't, but I remember going under the water and thinking, well, that's an interesting view, because you can, you kind of see through the water, all, everything's kind of wavy, and it's like, oh, that's neat. And then all of a sudden, something happened that I will never forget. I see two hands reaching through the water, and they reached down and they grabbed me right here around that life vest. And I came flying up out of the water. You know what had happened? Mama had happened. Mama saw her baby boy in trouble. And Mama reached into the middle of the trouble and jerked me out of it. She rescued me. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, in that moment, all I remember was the searing pain Because when mama grabbed my life vest, she also dug her fingernails into my chest. And for several weeks afterward, I had bruises and cuts. But you know what? I was alive. (laughs) You know how many times I've gone back to that class? I've never gone back to that class. I'm not doing that again. I've got a great story. We're leaving that alone, right? So think about our story with Jesus Christ. What are we? We are drowning. We are in need of someone to save us. And what does Jesus Christ do? He reaches down in the middle of that mess and jerked us up and saved us. And that is a beautiful story of rescue. How many of you are wanting to get those blanks filled in? Some of you are like OCD about this. Yes, Ms. Carroll, right? Excellent, great. uh, So get your outlines ready. Here you go. So I'm going to give you the blanks, and then you're going to tell me the answers underneath the blanks. You ready? And you'll see a pattern here to the answers. So point number one, who we've been given. Who were we given? Come on, say it louder. Who were we given? We were given Jesus, absolutely. We were given the answer to our need, and the answer to our need is not a thing. The answer to our need is a person. So point number two, what we've been given. Some of you have picked up on the pattern already. What have we been given? What did the text say that we were given? Grace? Peace? What else? Forgiveness? What else? All things, right? All things that pertain to life and godliness. There were promises that he gave us. These are beautiful, beautiful things. So how it's been given. How were these things given to us? Not just through Jesus, but through The knowledge, the intimate, in-depth, familiar knowledge of Jesus Christ. And here's the point I want to make sure you understand. It is not enough that you know who Jesus is. You must know Jesus. There's a radical difference between those two things. And if you walk out today and you only know who Jesus is and you know a few things about Jesus, that is not sufficient. Because repentance of your sin and faith in somebody that you know a little bit about is not what we're looking for. We're looking for intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you're going to put your entire eternal future on the line, I would recommend you get to know this man. And the beautiful thing is that the more you know about him, the more you love him. He gets better every single day. So why it's been given, point number four, for his glory and His excellence. Those are the drivers of God's motivation to call us. So in my Sunday school class, we always have an application and a personalization. So here's your application. Number one, God is the provider 
of all we need. And he provided what we need through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I feel like I get to be a little bit like Simon Peter this morning. I got to talk about me for about two minutes, and I got to talk about Jesus for a lot. It's wonderful. So if God is the provider of all we need, what do we do with that? Well, number one, under the personalization there, be thankful and accept God's gift of rescue. Please understand, without Jesus Christ, you're dead. Literally, dead. You're not going to survive. The life you have here on this earth will be empty. And the life that you have next will be devastating. And it will never end. And please understand. Application number two, knowing God matters. Knowing God matters. Our lives today and tomorrow are on the line. So what do we do with that? Well, I would recommend that you get to know God. I would recommend that you get to know God. Talk to God, stare at his book, and if you do, I promise you, you will want his rescue.